Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oz Business. We kick off the afternoon with the call. 60 minutes, two experts. We get through 10 stocks that you've suggested, all live from our Brangaroo studio. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, great panel today as as well. We've got Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Uh, Henry, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thanks, Gossy. How are you? Good, good, good. And Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities who's braved the torrential rain in the city at the moment to come live into the Barangaroo Studios. Michael, thank you for that. Thanks. Thanks for having a nice dry uh, studio. Studio, yeah. At least uh, that's the one thing we can actually offer you, is it? So so that's great. All right. Let's um, just uh, kick off the stocks that we're going to be taking a look at in this first half hour on the call. Smart Group, uh, Fortescue Metals, Jumbo International, Dusk and MSL Solutions. So uh, terrific diversity there. But I always kick off with the stock of the day. Thought we'd take a look at Crown back in the doghouse after confirming the Victorian gambling regulator is considering the findings of the Royal Commission report relating to its use of payments platform Union Pay. Uh, the company says it's responding to information requests and we'll fully cooperate with the Commission on these and other matters. Shares just dipping into the red uh, this morning. Uh, of course, Crown under takeover offer at the moment. Um, uh, Henry Jennings, should investors care at the moment? <laughs> Gosh, you probably not, I have to say. Yeah. It's not even raining up here in Avalon just before we kick off. It's weird, oh. so uh, we're, we're bone dry up here at the moment. Oh, but. Okay obviously heading our way. Um, As far as Crown goes, it it has been raining for some time for Crown, uh, raining bad news. And this is the latest in a litany of bad news. And of course, the the big rescuer, the white knight coming over the horizon, of course, is Blackstone with a $13.10 bid for the company. Uh, This this is kind of the Hail Mary that all the regulators are praying for, that uh, Blackstone will take it off of the hands of the current owners, Mr. Packer included, and clean it up and make it, um, you know, a very clean company, a very ethical company. The the problem, I guess, as with all these casinos, and Star is the same, is that, as far as I can remember, casinos were pretty much designed as a way to pay, play with cash and get cash back. So it's just. It's been a, a, a cesspit of money laundering and all the other things, sorry, alleged money laundering and all the other issues that it's had. Um, and that's not going to change, I suspect. For investors, you know, they're going to be grabbing this $13.10 bid with both hands, trying to put it behind everybody. The regulators trying to put it behind, fresh slate, all this sort of stuff. So, you know, if you're a shareholder now, you are just praying and hanging on for that 30 cents more. I have to say that there are always risks because um, it takes some time for regulators to approve a new owner of a casino. Um, I'm not sure why it takes so long because 
in the past they've managed to approve it very quickly and uh, it's proven to be pretty unreliable in terms of the regulator's approval. So, uh, but Blackstone is, is a clean skin for the market perspective. To me, if you're a holder, well, there's 30 cents left in it. No one else is going to come over the horizon. Yep. The risk is that it'll fall over and they'll be back to 10, 11 bucks. So I'd be taking the money now and moving on to something a bit more exciting okay, with so a little less risk, I have to say. So just sell. And, uh, and yeah. Michael, it almost seems as though all the regulators are going, OK, we know new owners are coming in. We've got to have a bit of a clean skin here. Yeah. We're going to... Uh, WA government's done it to uh, Crown in uh, Burswood. Come out, bad reports. Now you've got two years to fix it up, yeah. wrap over the knuckles. Here's another one. Get them all out of the way so that when the new owners come, they can go, right, we all start with a clean slate. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, as, as, a, as an investor in, in ASX stocks, why do you want to yeah. be a part of that while this is happening? I mean, you know, you look at casino businesses and, you know, they do pretty much have a license to, to print money. Um, you know, people come in, empty their wallets and, and walk out. But as, as Henry mentioned, it because of the cash component, it tracks the bad elements. So yeah. you're just always going to have these yeah. things. And we've seen it over the years, whether it's been Crown or Star with, with what's what's in the news recently. So, yeah. you know, a tough, in, a tough business to, I guess, invest in um, on the ASX because of these problems that continue mm. to crop up. And in, and in the case of Crown, as again, as Henry mentioned, you got, you're hanging out for 30 cents or whatever yeah. it is on the current share price. I mean, why do you want to you know, for 30 cents, for two, two and a bit percent, yeah. why why sit there and deal with all these risks yeah. when... Get out you now. Know, yeah, get out now. And, and this is true for most, I think most companies that have these takeover offers and then trade up near the takeover price. Yeah. I mean, you're just running a risk that it falls through, you lose, you know, quite a bit of money just to gain a tiny bit. And out yeah. there we've got a, you know, commodities boom and there's a lot of other interesting things happening on the market. There's an opportunity cost just sitting in crown yep. right here. So For definitely I'd be getting out yep. of that as soon okay. as I can. All right, wise advice. All right, Michael, Julie wants uh, a view on something slightly more conservative. Mm. Um, Smart Group. Julie says, I've had Smart Group for a while. I've noticed hasn't done anything for a couple of years. Understand they're having problems getting new cars for their leasing side, but they've renewed many of their uh, con contracts, which is a good thing. Last report I thought was pretty good. Finally on track. Still share price going sideways. It uh, nearly had a takeover, which means it might be an all right company. Why isn't doing anything now? Smart Group is in the salary packaging business and car leasing as part of a salary package for a lot of big corporates and uh, and particularly government uh, employees. Um, and like all groups like that, sort of on the edge of their seat at federal budget time to see mm. if the tax rules are changed. They got through unscathed, <laughs> the one recently. But uh, what do you think of Smart Group? It's, it's funny you mentioned the budget. I, I think those with long memories will remember one of the budgets oh, yeah. with Kevin Rudd and yep. uh, Macmillan Shakespeare. <laughs> and I think that share price dropped 40% the next day or something horrendous yep. Yep. Um, yep. because of the proposed changes. Um, look, Smart Group as, as a business, um, you know, it's fairly, fairly defensive. They'll continue doing what they're doing um, through most cycles. I think here it looks fair value, it pays a decent dividend. So they're the positives. Um, on the downside, yes, there was a takeover offer that fell through. Um, and of course, you have to view that as a little bit of a red flag that someone's had a look under the bonnet um, and decided, look, we're, we did offer this, but now we're gonna offer that, something mm. a bit lower. 
Um, I can't remember the numbers, but um, and obviously the board rejected the um, the new lower offer. So it's it's a type of business where yes, it it was impacted negatively by COVID, and then they've been able to to start growing again with the new lease sales. Of course, we have supply issues with with new cars, so that mm-hmm. might impact impact them in the future. Um, so in terms of growth, I just don't see a lot of growth from here. I think there's a few headwinds. Um, as I said, on the plus side, fair value, decent dividend, but I don't think you're going to get much growth. So personally, I, I'd rather something that has a bit more growth, so I wouldn't yep. be buying it. But if you can tolerate no growth, then it looks right. okay here. It's a no, well, no It's a no. Yeah, no one wants to tolerate <laughs> no growth, do they? <laughs> We're in the, in the business of making money. Yeah, exactly. Um, Henry, I wonder if a change in, to, if it happens, uh, a change to a Labor government might uh, impact companies like this. Oh, yeah, that's a long bow, Koshi. Um, I have to say, when you look at this chart, it's a bit like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You look at it, and I feel like I'm Richard Dreyfus looking at some sort of weird mountain uh, projection <laughs> in, in the middle of that chart because it's, it's got that big run up, then sideways, and then that big fall down when the takeover fell over. So it is very reminiscent of uh, Close Encounters in some respects. This one's not a bad company. They didn't issue any guidance last time out. It's certainly... You know, suffering, I guess, to some extent, as Michael rightly points out, because of the supply chain issue with new cars and people are then going to used cars, etc. But they still have leases on uh, used cars as well. But it does dampen demand a little bit. It, it's gradually been clawing itself back off the floor. And there are, there are really three companies in this space. There's Smart Group, uh, there is Macmillan Shakespeare, and there's Eclipse as well. So the three of them kind of fight it out in that salary packaging, the novated leases, that kind of space. I would say there's still really a great rationale for two companies rather than three. So Mm -hmm. I noticed that Eclipse has been going very well. Smart Group has pulled itself up from sort of $6.80. Now we're at uh, $8.50 or something, $8.60, topping out around sort of $9.50. So I think this slow grind could continue it's not spectacular. It's probably a hold at these levels. Maybe uh, they will get uh, another tap on the shoulder from someone, private equity perhaps. And as these supply chains do start to um, loosen a little bit rather than tighten, we could see uh, a little bit of uh, a push higher for this stock with, uh, with more leases. No guidance was a bit of an issue, but um, that's life. Um, so um, yeah, it's a hold from me. Okay. All right. And uh, uh, I noticed new car sales out yesterday, the best result in four and a half years or something. So some of that supply yep. chain is starting to ease up. Um, Simeon wants your view, Henry, on Fortescue Metals. Um, thanks for sending this in, uh, Simeon, because you've asked some great questions as well. With iron ore prices hitting 150 again, and some positive announcements regarding um, uh, the future fund, Fortescue Metals Hydrogen Area. Is the market still discounting the uncertainty of the hydrogen execution? Is this still a hold or is it time to take some profits as we pass $21 again or is the trend your friend? I think that's a really good question. It is a really good question, Koshi, I have to say, and obviously an old question because iron ore is now 160 uh, rather than 150. So uh, it's, it's moved quite a lot in the last few days and we are seeing sort of that stimulus 
uh, hopes coming through in China. As far as Fortescue goes, the great thing about Fortescue in the past is it was it was focused purely and simply on iron ore, driving those costs down, driving the production up, driving the discount uh, to be as low as possible between their product and the product that uh, attracts the highest prices. And they did extraordinarily well out of that. This whole hydrogen thing, this whole Twiggy to save the world um, is fantastic. Great. Well done, Twiggy. It's good to get some leadership in this space. Um, but the market is, is a little bit a little bit spooked, I guess, about mm. the cost of all this. And we have seen in the past some media speculation. And, you know, Twiggy is the kind of guy, this is Andrew Forrest, who is the biggest shareholder and the founder of Fortescue. Twiggy does a attract a lot of attention. You know, he has become the poster child. Uh, he's probably a bit old to be a child. The poster man for <laughs> uh, this sort of push into hydrogen through the, uh, the sort of the Fortescue Future Investment Fund. So um, hats off to him. It comes with risks. Um, it's still very much an iron ore play. And you can see by the chart recently that it has been picking up because the iron ore price has been picking up again. I'd be... You know what? I'd be keen to just take a little bit of profit up here. I think that right. you know the future with this uh, the FFI push is a little unknown. The iron ore prices is, is looking pretty strong at the moment, but you have to look at what's happening in China as far as their zero COVID policy goes and the lockdowns in Shanghai, elsewhere. Their economy could slow. We are in the middle of a fantastic resource boom, but there might be a time to take some profits in this one. And I reckon around 22 bucks, which is pretty much where we are at the moment. It could be a, a good chance mm. to uh, just take some profits. Dividends yep. are great. Management's great. Everything's great. But, um, you know, it is still dependent on iron ore. And the big question mark does remain, how much is it going to cost for um, Andrew Forrest to be the, uh, the poster man for, for the hydrogen, um, hydrogen revolution? Yeah. Quite yeah. interesting, isn't it, Michael? Because mm. hydrogen still is a tiny part of Fortescue, but is getting yeah. lots of headlines. And you're sort of... You think the beauty of Fortescue, pure play iron ore, knew exactly what you're getting yeah. into. And whether he just starts this future fund with hydrogen in the, in the main Fortescue and spins it off into a separate one, which I think most yeah. of the market would prefer him to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what do you think of Fortescue? Yeah, in terms, yeah look, in terms of that, the, you know, the future industries, it is, as you say, very much in the future. So I don't think we need to worry about the, you know, the numbers around what that will do to the business. But clearly there is a sentiment yeah. issue at the moment and that's slightly mm. negative um, for, for the reasons you mentioned. But that could, I'd be also uh, mindful of the fact that that could turn in the future. Um, so if sentiment starts to shift and start to view that positively, then you could see Fortescue trading at, at premiums compared to its mm. peers because of that. And, and we've seen you know, we always see in the market that some stocks move, obviously not just on what they're doing, but because the market seems focused on their story. I mean, buy now, pay later a couple of years ago, anything yeah. to do with buy now, pay later was going up because it was a great story. And obviously we've got at the moment, um, you know, uh, bat battery, middle, <laughs> battery minerals, yeah. um, you know, whether they're actually making money or just you know, walking around with one of those little sticks in the ground trying to hunt for something yeah. underneath, um, you know, they're getting the attention and the share prices are going up. So I think there'll be a point where the sentiment will shift and, and Fortescue will really get a nice uplift. But at the moment, everyone's a little bit, you know, spooked by 
you know, how much it's going to cost. But at the end of the day, it is still very much in the future. I wouldn't be too worried yeah. about that. In terms of the way it's trading, um, look, I think global growth will still be decent enough this year that we could see decent prices in iron ore. The risk, as Henry mentioned, is what China's doing. I can't believe they're still locking down. So, yeah. you know, that could be a drag. Um, I'd be ultimately, I'd be happy to hold Fortescue here. I wouldn't be adding to it up up here near $22. I'd like to see some sort of pullback, but I think after any short pullback from here, there'd still be further upside. So yeah, look, the trend is your friend at the moment. And just very quickly on the topic of iron ore miners and trends, on the way to, to the show, I did have a look at the BHP chart. It does look a little bit more, uh, uh, a little bit more negative. So it's mm. given what, what we refer to as an island reversal. So it sort of gapped up a few days ago failed to do much and has gapped down today. So that one does actually look like it might pull back a bit deeper. But Fortescue, uh, I mean, it was almost flat on the way into the office after yeah. being down yeah. uh, 2% this morning. So the, the trend is still there. Okay, so a hold from you. And Peter Michael wants a view on Jumbo Interactive, the, uh, the gaming software provider or lottery software provider. And uh, uh, Peter says, uh, chief executive and founder actually sold down some shares recently from 15.2 to 14.1%. General rule in the market, according to Peter, is follow the major shareholder. Uh, is this true in this case? And also, Jumbo has a long-term contract with Tabcorp with its lotteries to provide the, uh, the platform for that. Will splitting of Tabcorp impact Jumbo International? I think in terms of the the major shareholder, it's in some ways that's a bit subjective. I mean, do you view moving from 15 to 14 a big deal or right. not? I'm, I'd I'd say look, he's still got a quite yeah, a large did, holding. Did he put out any explanation? Because some of them say, oh, I had a tax bill to pay and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So. It almost doesn't matter really yeah, yeah. The, the explanation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they could say one thing but really mean something else. So yeah. um, I think the proof is in the fact that it was only. It was only 10% of his holding, right. you know, 1% of the overall company. So in my opinion, I wouldn't view that too negatively at the moment. I think if he was to do it you know, consecutively over the next sort of few months or so, or as we saw, I think a year or two ago with um, Rosalind Kogan, yeah. um, you know, sort of ramp it up and then, or whatever the situation was, it left a bit of a Michael, sour taste how can in you the, say that? Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> retract that. But uh, yeah, the, the, you know, the circumstances around that were a little bit, little bit different. I think in these circumstances, it, it seems okay. fine. Um, Tapcorp, yes, they've still got that long. Uh, they've still got the contract there. Tapcorp's going to spin off its lotteries division. Look, I think Tapcorp's already working on. They'd be working on something. If it's going to be a threat, it's probably enough in the future that. I don't think it'll impact, impact the next year or two's yep. uh, earnings with Jumbo. So, look, I'd be happy to hold it again. I, I, I couldn't be buying run. it here. It's Yeah, it's had a good run and then it's failed to really do much in the last year. Um, so I think there'd be better opportunities elsewhere, but it's, look, it's hanging in there. It's okay as a hold yep. for the Happy for to the hold moment. it. Um, Henry, what do you think of Jumbo? Um, well, you know, in investment world, we always talk about you know, diversification and, and spreading your risk. Now, if, if you're the founder and the CEO of a company and you've got 15 and a half percent of your the shares are in you and your name, um, isn't that just diversifying a little bit, taking the top off to some extent? Who knows what he's using the money for? But I don't think there's anything particularly nasty afoot here. 
uh, with the director Mike selling down. Um, I got to say, he's still got 14 odd percent of the company. I, I saw this guy uh, present to us many, many years ago. I think he had sort of 18, 19 percent there. So he hasn't been a prolific seller of the stock. The thing that drives this company, so let's forget about the director interest, because I think that is a furphy in this case. Uh, it certainly is not the case in something like Kogan. And directors, of course, are the ultimate insiders. And people do focus on what directors are doing, buying or selling in their stocks. And they do trot out the usual tax purposes, exercise of options, all that sort of jazz, um, diversification. And in some cases, it's true. Who knows uh, what the motivation is there? But he's still got 14% of motivation left. So I'm not particularly worried about that. This one is driven by the size of the lottery. Uh, when we get uh, the, you know, the 20 million bucks sort of lotteries, nobody gets too excited. But when it gets to 100, 120 million, we do see a big sort of push uh, towards Jumbo Interactive. And they don't have a huge penetration, which is, I guess, somewhat worrying because they've been at this a long time. And I think they've only got 7% still of the total addressable market for um for the lotteries, which they do with uh, Tabcorp, they're sort of their online presence. Uh, and they've also got uh, lots of sort of boys club society uh, raffles as well, which they're bringing on to try and diversify their income stream because they were wholly and solely reliant on Tabcorp. They have been diversifying in the UK as well, and they have been making a few acquisitions, and there's probably more acquisitions in the pipeline. It's been trading pretty much sideways, Koshi, to be honest. Um, I, it's hard to get excited about this. I get very excited about the $120 million lotteries and just that vague hope <laughs> that maybe uh, I will win something. And uh, usually I win about $25, unfortunately. But the, the point is, I guess, is that I, I, my office is above a news agent and I could easily yeah. pop downstairs and uh, do the lottery there or I could do it online. Online is really easy. And once you're in the online system, it's sticky. You tend to do it all over again. So COVID has been a benefit for them because who wants to go out with a mask yeah. and go through the whole rigmarole and potentially get get uh, the virus when you can do it online? So it's it's the question of being sticky with that um, with that online presence, more penetration. I still think they're struggling a little bit to get that penetration. They've had lots of headwinds um, in some respects, but also this tailwind from COVID. You think they would have done slightly better. So for me, it's it's probably a hold. Not worried about the director interest. Um, okay. But um, hard to see how they can, unless they make some substantial acquisition which changes the game. I think this is a hold, it's going sideways kind of stock. Okay. All right. Lee wants a view. Henry on dusk. Um, uh, Lee says COVID knocked out 22% of retail trading days. It's rolling out new stores uh, in the growth stage despite this. It's trading on single-digit PEs on COVID-affected earnings. Dusk, of course, the home fragrance candle uh, diffuser uh, retail um, chain. What do you think of Dusk? Oh, I've got to say, Koshi, um, it's hard to get excited about candles, I must admit. Home fragrance diffusers. Um, I'm, you probably should um, talk to somebody else about this. I'm probably not the best person. It has been trying to um, push a bit higher. It's obviously suffered because of COVID. They're trying to get more sales uh, through more stores. They're also looking at a, sort of a Mother's Day push as well. But um, yeah, I just, I, I struggle to get my head around a business which is solely and wholly focused on uh, you know pretty candles for people. There's an awful lot of competition out there. They were gonna make an acquisition 
for Eroma, E rather than A, clever people, and uh, that did fall over. That didn't suffer the, um, that didn't suffer, uh, it didn't go through the filters and, and, and be able to be uh, passed in terms of all those filters the company had. So they, they pulled the pin on that one. It's probably a slow grind higher. Um, I was going to do lots of uh, puns about candles in the wind and all that sort of stuff. You can't <laughs> hold a candle to this one. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I, it's hard to see how they're oh. going to really, you know, turbocharge the growth, yep. um, given that it's just a matter of rolling out new stores, selling more candles. I yep. mean, it's, you okay. know, that, that's not going to change the game. Yeah, all not right. for me. Uh, it did launch with a bang, didn't it, mm. Michael? And had a had a big run up, yeah. and now it's come come down to earth a bit. And I suppose the question for a lot of people: it's a retailer. Yeah. So if you're going to have retail exposure in your portfolio, which most diversified portfolios would, we have some really good retailers mm. out there. Does this stack up as yeah. going into someone's portfolio of that sector? The way the business. The way the share price has come down, it it is as, as the as the viewer mentioned, cheaper. Yeah, yep. it is looking cheap, um, and it seems to be levelling out. Um, but do you want this retailer in there? And I think the question is whether you view this as a fairly discretionary product or not. And you know, like Henry, I don't understand buying candles. I'd say this is 100% discretionary. You don't. You don't need candles. Maybe someone will, will beg to differ because I think that's going to make a big difference over the next 12 months because, you know, growth, I think growth will be fine, but it is going to slow from current levels. Um, businesses like this, which will, um, yeah, businesses like this, which sell stuff um, with supply chain issues. So you've got costs going up yeah. everywhere. Can they pass those costs on to their candles? I don't think they can because I think it's discretionary. So if you're selling a candle for mm. 50 bucks or whatever it is, can you now charge 60 bucks and expect the same number of people yeah. to buy it from you? So I think that's the question I'm leaning towards thinking that they're going to have issues with costs this year. They're going to have issues with demand. Um, can they recoup those costs by raising their, their prices of candles? I think people say, look, I don't need another candle for another yeah. couple of months. So that's very simplistic, but I think that's essentially what it's going to come down to. So I'd, I'd think that you wouldn't want to be owning this business as a, as a retailer. Retailer part in the portfolio. Um, what about MSL Solutions, Michael? Gabriel wants a view on that. Uh, Gabriel says, with tech stocks out of favour, what's the outlook in the expert's opinion? Mm. Um, it's a SaaS software developer, but um, its niche is sport, leisure and hospitality. Um, yeah. It seems to be big into golf. As well. Yeah, it seems fairly niche, and um, you know that that can be good or, or bad. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe they don't have any competitors. Um, also, having a look at um, you know their earnings seem to be bouncing back after COVID, so the business seems to be doing fine. Um, and then it comes down to a question of, well, do you want it as a as an investment um, if you're buying ASX shares, where there's other shares to choose from and when I was having a look at this one initially yesterday afternoon, uh, nothing had traded yet uh, no, in mid-afternoon. So you're essentially looking at a business that, you know, in some ways, why is this even listed if it's not trading? Um, yeah. So there's just the massive risk that you buy something like this and 
you know, okay, there's something on the bid there if you need to sell it, but what if a few other people are deciding to sell it because of an announcement? Yeah. You know, you're just carrying a massive risk for, yeah. for that lack of liquidity. So, look, at, broadly speaking, in terms of tech stocks, I think tech stocks, um, you know, a lot of them are probably finding lows here because they've been sold down heavily on interest rate um, increased expectations. Yeah. Uh, and if that comes in a bit, they might take off, but I just don't, yeah, if no one's trading it, then it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hard to get out or get in. Yeah. Uh, Henry, what do you think of MSL Solutions? I don't think about MSL Solutions, Koshi, until, uh, until the email came through asking me to have a look at it. So it's not one that I'm massively familiar with, but I would echo Michael's comments about liquidity being an issue. There's 20,000 traded today. It's, it's funny, but when you look at the register, usually liquidity is an issue for companies that, say, have a 75% shareholder and there's not much free float. In in this one, there's only really a couple of big shareholders and there's a yeah. there's a few sort of four or five percent. Microequities is one shareholder and Forager Funds Management with Steve Johnson is another shareholder of this one. But this is the problem with stocks that aren't liquid. I mean, it's not got bad revenue, nearly 17 million bucks for the, for the um, half year of 22, uh, for the first six months, so that's not bad capitalization of 91 million and clearly it's a reopening play they do point of sales into stadium they do uh, golf apps as well and various other digital apps um it's just liquidity just really mm. kills it if you wanted to buy and sell a hundred thousand shares you'd just about be okay at the moment but you know at 19 cents that's not a huge amount of money to be um to be playing with so i think yeah. again it's another one of these hold sideways stocks the question is, why is it listed? Clearly, somebody wanted it listed for, for whatever reason. It's got two institutions that have backed it, which is good. But, um, you know, 20,000 shares traded today, not uh, yeah, not great. But obviously, a bit of a COVID play. It has hit 28 before. Here we are at 19. Um, you know, it, it could grind higher if it had some good news. There's nothing wrong with it, but just liquidity problems. Sure. Okay. All right, let's recap the first five stocks. Stock of the day, Crown. Um, Henry and Michael saying, take your money, uh, you're 30, 30 cents off the, uh, the takeover price, just take your money and put it elsewhere. Uh, Smart Group, a hold from Henry, a no from Michael. Uh, Fortescue, a hold from Michael. Henry saying, take some profits here um, with the Fortescue share price as it's bounced back up again. Jumbo, a hold from both, a no on Dusk and a no on MSL Solutions. Uh, here on the call, we're tracking our own high conviction fund, our fantasy fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbiz.com. Uh, so let's check in with the portfolio update. Uh, it currently holds JB Hi-Fi, ProMedicus, Linus and Incitec Pivot were added to the fund. Uh, joining equal allocations of BHP, Macquarie, Mineral Resources, Steadfast, Aristocrat, Ordnate, CSL, NextDC and Universal Stores with half units in Qantas and Frontier Ventures. Uh, so far our fund is up 2.67% just over the last month. So keep sending in your request to the call because that's the first filter. The recommendations from the call then get 
put up to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, this half hour, we're going to be talking about Cadence Capital, Cyprium Metals, Fibric Pharma, Altium and Tassel. Uh, Michael Paul wants a view on Cadence Capital. Uh, he's saying this is um, LIC, listed investment company, at a discount to its NDA, which is attractive. Of course, it has to close that discount for that to be relevant. I like the underlying holdings, according to Paul, in it, and the approach they seem to take. I may be old-fashioned liking LICs rather than ETFs, but I also like getting a dollar for 85 um, cents worth of uh, NTA. Am I looking at a false economy here, or is this something worth buying? What do you think of Cadence? Um, well, firstly, as a, you know, a trend-following person, I wouldn't be buying this because it has been heading in a downtrend for a number of years now. Had a nice spike there in 2020, like, like most things, but it's it's pulling back again. In terms of the whole NTA thing, I'd, I'd be curious, I'd be interested to find out how many people have actually, can actually say they bought an LIC at a discount and it did close the, uh, that yeah. discount did close up and, and they managed to make money. I just never hear those, those stories. I think they, if you like what's in that cadence, so if they're investing in, in stocks that are, are listed, if you like those investments, you're better off buying them yourself because if you need to sell them you can and you actually get yep. what it's worth so you might be getting you know 85 cents in in the dollar but when it's time to sell your cadence well maybe you still only get 85 cents yep. in the dollar or maybe even less if, if the discount if the discount widens and um and you also don't have the flexibility that if they've got a basket of shares and let's say they've, they're holding dusk that we spoke about before and we don't like that well you can't get rid of that because it's in the lic whereas if we held yep. it ourselves we can get rid of it ourselves. So I think, you know, deservedly these things trade at a discount because, you know, Cadence is buying the stock, they've got their fees, they've got whatever their overheads mm. are and, and all this stuff that's happening and you don't have the flexibility. So yeah, if you want to buy BHP for $50, um, you could sell it $50, but by the time right. they're done with it, it's not $50. So therefore it should be at a discount. You yeah. shouldn't be paying the same $50 for Cadence to okay. hold it than if you held it in your own chess account. So, so no, from no, that's a... Okay. A uh, Henry, uh, we don't have Andrew Whelan here to argue on which is better, an LIC <laughs> or an ETF. So I will skip over that one. Uh, what do you think of Cadence? Well, I will, uh, I will wait to argue with Andrew about that because I've got a little hot topic to touch him about, about ACDC. But anyway, we'll get on to that in a future <laughs> episode, I'm sure. Um, I'm sorry, Michael, I've got some bad news for you. I've made lots of money out of LICs. They're fantastic. They're brilliant. I call them hot tub time machines uh, because you're buying assets at a discount. What is not to like on that? The question is the, how they close up that discount. We've made 70-odd percent on a position in long short fund, LSF for our members in the small cap portfolio. We bought them at a big discount when them, because when the market gets disrupted, 
uh, one of the first things that gets kicked out is all these LICs because it's all too right. risky and we don't know what's in it. The great thing about some of the LICs, and this does not apply to all of them because a lot of them do trade, the majority of them trade at a discount. The great thing to watch out for is transparency and knowing what they hold. And they can be valued really easily and they're liquid. Now, some of these trade at a premium. Now, Jeff Wilson has done a stunningly brilliant job at getting his LICs in the WAM, the Wilson Asset Management Stable, to trade at premiums. And part of the reason is good communication, good marketing, good transparency, and fully frank dividends. It's a winning success. LSF have done extraordinarily well for us. We've done extraordinarily well over the years with uh, Thorny Tech as well, TEK, buying that at a discount to assets. And what happens is the assets this company or an LIC has uh, on its books will rally quite hard sometimes, especially in times of disruption, and the LIC will get left behind. And you're looking at it thinking, well, I can buy technology stocks at prices that were a week ago because the rally has, has been a week in the making, and this LIC hasn't printed its NTA for a week, so I can buy it. It's my hot tub time machine. They're fantastic. Now, Cadence, going on to Cadence, because I know Carl uh, Siegling at Cadence, and I've uh, talked to him on a podcast, and I've also had one or two red glasses or red drinks with Carl over the years as well. And he has got uh, an enormous amount of faith in this fund. He puts an enormous amount of his own personal wealth in it. It is trading at around a 20% discount. Now, it had a big spike back towards, uh, hmm. when was it? Uh, August, September. Let's have a look. Septem September last year. And the reason for this spike was that Carl was very shrewd and he invested early in a company called the Metals Corp which became a SPAC. Now, that's a, a special yeah. purpose acquisition company in the US. And the Metals Corp is a company that is looking to suck polymetallic nodules off the seafloor around PNG. And uh, the yeah. market went nuts for, for, for the Metals Corp, absolutely nuts. It ended in tears to some extent because, as usual with these things, it was a bubble waiting to burst. And it did burst, and it burst quite spectacularly with uh, TMC, the Metals Corp falling hard. Now, Carl was a smart guy because he took some serious profits in this one along the way. And I've talked to him about this. Um, but the, but since then, it's been kind of tarred with this Metals Corp brush. And mm -hmm. as a result, it has struggled to get that traction back. Now, every LIC manager wants their, their stock to trade at least at uh, parity with their NTA, at least. Uh, some would love it to be at a premium, but there are very few that do that. Regal Funds Management is one of those that does, and the WAM assets as well, all that stable tend to as well. I, I'm not sure how Carl's going to get this one back to being uh, the NTA similar to where the share price is. It is trading at a 20% odd discount. So he's got a hill to climb there. Uh, they've got a lot of investment in energy. They've got a lot of investment in basic materials and financial. Um, it doesn't really excite me as yet because I'm not sure what the catalyst is to drive it back to parity with its NTA, but it does include transparency, marketing, mm. communication with investors above and beyond just the, the monthly, oh, you know, this is the NTA. That, that's not good enough, I'm afraid, in this day and age. Yep. Uh, when you're competing with ETFs, as Michael says, that's not good enough. But for the guys like LSF, which I followed for a long time, Mark Landau, has been fantastic and I've had him on my uh, podcast that I do. These guys trade pretty close to their um, post-tax NTA okay. and they are falling a little bit at the moment and it, it's it's just been a cracker for us. So you've got to be selective. You've got to be selective. Be though. selective. 
be selective and you need ones that are transparent, report often and you can see what they're doing, you can understand it and communicate well, pay good dividends, fully franked. But, but yes, hot tub time machines, great place to come. Okay, but this one, Cadence, would you be buying at the discount or not? Um, I would, but I'm not sure what the catalyst that Carl has in mind to close it up. So you could, you might have to be patient. It does go through periods where that, that discount does close up, but it's very rare that it goes so to So you're a, saying yes, but no. Like, so do I go a hold? You go a hold, Koshi. Okay. Oh, after all, all right. that, after a five-minute tirade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold. A hold. <laughs> I'm pathetic, aren't I? I'm, I'm, I'm pathetic, aren't I? Oh, blimey. I was waiting for the big climax and nothing happened. A story of my life. Well, um, I, 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 I was, yeah, a story yeah. of mine too. Henry, uh, Sam wants a view on Cyprium Metals. Uh, Sam says they bought Nifty from Metals X and are aiming to restart production in 2023. They've released a positive restart study recently, which the market has liked. It's a mineral exploration company, gold and copper is, and I think, base metals. Australia, Canada, and Indonesia, uh, Cyprian Metals? Yeah, um, no, not for me, I have to say. Um, oh. Nifty was a problem child for uh, for Metals X, and they pretty much stuffed it up the whole way through. Uh, Metals X have got the Renaissance Tin project down in Tasmania, and uh, Nifty was the great white hope, was a fantastic white hope, copper project. Everyone got excited from time to time. Brokers loved it from time to time. It was stuffed up right royally by Metals X, and they ended up almost giving it away, I guess, to Cyprian Metals, which are trying to get it restarted. It does have a troubled history. If you're going to play the copper restart story or a restart story, um, this one is not for me. I prefer okay. to go. Uh, the one that I've enjoyed in the restart story is uh, Panoramic Resources, which is a nickel play, and the other one that we like is Poseidon Nickel, which, uh, again, is another nickel restart play as well, taking a little bit longer than we would like. But, um, yes, and they're hot metals okay. as well. Gee, that's a blast so, from the past. Sitting, I'm afraid. Poseidon coming back on the sheet. Yes. Um, Michael, what do you think of Cyprian? Um, I'd follow on from Henry's last comment about hot metals. So I think there's a number of metals out there, we all know them, that are running hot at the moment and should continue to run hot this year. Gold, I just don't feel as though that's, uh, I think that's just too hard basket as a broad, you know, as a broad topic. Um, I just don't, yeah, just don't see investors making much money trading gold stocks this year. I think there's other opportunities. You know, CYM wasn't, you know, it's not a company I was familiar with, but, you know, in terms of the chart, it looks like it's trying to break this downtrend, but I think there are pl yeah, plenty of other um, opportunities elsewhere in those other metals. Okay. All right, Steve, uh, Michael wants a view on Firebrick Pharma, which is uh, only a recent listing. It came on with a bit of a bang. Um, uh, IPO at 20 cents a piece, went to uh, 45 cents on the first day of trading. Um, it's um, the founders of uh, Betadine. Well, all of us use Betadine, the, the spray. This is, uh, uh, they have a developing uh, Nazadine which is uh, to treat viruses like the common cold. It's a virus killing nasal spray, uh, as I say, by the, by the same founders as, uh, as Betadine. Hasn't been listed long. Uh, Michael, Firebrick. Yeah, I mean, the, it looks like a very interesting company. I mean, I have to admit, yeah. you know, it's not sort of my specialty, these sorts of biotechs that come to market and are still going through trials. There's, there's obviously a lot of sort of risks there and how that you know how that may well play out but 
um, yeah, looking at you know what what the founders have done and the products and 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 you know how they've got to this point. I mean, it does look very interesting. I, I dare say, look, I'd be happy to to have a small amount in there. Um, you know, an amount that you'd be happy right. to lose, but only so because. Yeah, look, it's it's not my specialty, but as I said, you know, given you know the the background and um, and what they're doing and how advanced they are, you yeah, you treat it as a bit of a spec and maybe have a go. Okay, um, Henry, they say Nasadine has um, undergone three human trials. They expect one more phase of three of that phase three clinical clinical trial to be enough to get approval as a treatment for the common cold. Uh, yeah, well, it's obviously got big ambitions. There's a massive market for uh, for this, of course. Treating, the, I mean, the common cold is is well, it used to be common. I don't think yeah. it's common anymore, <laughs> is it? Everyone now gets COVID instead. It's far far more trendy to get COVID instead. Um, so um, I, I, I scratch my head a little bit about the name. It's hardly a name to conjure with, is it? Firebrick Pharma. Okay. Um, you know, I think Firebrick is the brand. hexadecimal colour of providone iodine only you would know that (laughs) (laughs) just a quick fun fact (laughs) i'm going to reel that out of the avalon rsl i don't i don't care i don't care what the question is that is going to be the answer right especially if it's to do with firebricks so yeah you know this has got a, a big market they've yet to get approvals um, clearly, it's got massive potential if it works uh, to treat the common cold. They're obviously doing trials as well on COVID-19 patients too. It is a, a it is a new listing, and I tend to be a little bit, um, you know, it's it's sometimes good to be in on the ground floor at the IPO, and obviously yeah. with the 20 cent IPO and it went to 65 cents, that was a really good uh, investment from people who got in on the ground floor. But since then, it has gone sideways. So these things do tend to take a little while to settle down. So I'll be happy to sort of keep it maybe on my biotech watch list if I had one because I was looking at uh, hexadecimal uh, cell structures uh, for um, for biotechs. <laughs> but um, I think this is one for the watch list and, and yep. clearly there are some milestones coming up in terms of trials. If successful, that will kick it higher. But, you know, I look at something like Star Pharma, which was going to be you know, fantastic with their nasal sprays in terms of COVID responses and that stock's gone pretty much nowhere. Uh, except down. So, um, you know, if you got in on the IPO and you've still got it, you know, you've done very well. But uh, getting in here now, I think uh, I'd be happy to wait for it to settle a bit. So it's a hold from me if you've got it. If you haven't got it, then uh, Firebrick for me is not one I'd be looking at particularly. Unless you've got some massive catalyst on on the test side of things. Okay. Uh, Izzy wants a view, Henry, on Altium, one of our, our bigger tech stocks on the market, describes itself as a multinational software business that focuses on electronics design systems for 3D design and embedded system development. A uh, couple of products, Altium Designer, Altium 365, Nexus and Octopart are its big uh, products. And it was a, a darling of the, the tech sector for quite a while, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I guess in some respects, this is the closest thing we've got to uh, to a semiconductor or, or chip maker because it designs the circuit boards and the software circuits for these big guys to go off and then make. So it is kind of design software for the high tech uh, side of things. 
it, it's clawed its way back from uh, obscurity to some extent. It did have a takeover as well, I seem to remember, um, at one stage, but um, that, that didn't transpire, that didn't end up happening. I don't mind this one as a tech stock, but the, the problem with the tech stocks, and we've got this headwind that's happening, whether it happens in the US, I mean, okay, every now and then we get a bit of a blip up because Elon Musk goes and decides he's going to buy Twitter, or at least 9% of Twitter. But uh, tech is a little bit uh, on the nose at the moment. When you start plugging in these higher interest rates into the DCF valuations, you are coming up with valuations considerably lower, and PEs need to be uh, adjusted shall we say. And, you know, they still haven't really put out any um, any positive guidance. It was pretty much unchanged. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hold. I'm, I'm, I've got more holds today than a Greco-Roman wrestling at the Olympics. <laughs> but um, th this, is, this is definitely in the okay. hold category. It's, got to it's call it as higher. it is. Yeah, it's a hold. Okay. Michael? Yeah, look, the, they, they did have that takeover offer um, last year around 38.50, so the share price had a bit, of a, a bit of a spike because of that. And then it did continue on until the end of the year and then um, you know, it came under pressure, as, as Henry mentioned, because of you know, global interest rates. And as you start plugging those numbers in, these things start to look a little bit too expensive. I mean, on, also on the negative side, it's, it seems to be one of those businesses recently where you know, as we saw in the February results and the August results, they come up with a set of numbers that leaves everyone feeling that, oh, you know, we right. kind of expected a bit bit better than that. So they've got this new product, Octopart, that seems to be doing well and the numbers numbers on that are, are you know, are looking good, but the overall sort of earnings and margins just aren't, aren't really exciting anyone at the moment. So, I mean, it looks like in terms of share price action, maybe it's bottomed out. Um, but given what they do in terms of designing circuit boards, we know that there's issues mm. with, with chips around the world and circuit boards. I just wonder how that would affect a company, company like Altium. I was trying to see if there's been any sort of analysis on that. I mean, maybe there's no effect because if, you, if you're designing circuit boards and you need to buy them, you know, whether it's a new design or an old design, you yeah. still have to buy them anyway. Or maybe that, yeah. I don't know, if because of the, the restriction in trying to get these circuit boards, Maybe that will have some kind of effect to Altium. I'd be interested to see if someone's done analysis on that. But yeah, look, I think, you know, on balance, there are a little bit too many more negatives I yep. think, overhanging the stock than positives. So um, yeah, look, at, at best, I'd be a hold, but not a buy. Okay. All right. Hold on, Altium. And our final stock, uh, Nathan wants a view, Michael, on Tassel, the Tasmanian-based salmon fishing um, come, or farming company founded in 1986. Um, Sells under Tassel, Superior Gold, Tasmanian Smokehouse, and Dacosti Food brands. Um, supplies Coles and a lot of the big supermarkets. Yeah, look, as a positive, um, you know, sales are increasing. They're getting they're getting better prices for for salmon recently. Again, this is one of those businesses where I just think there are enough headwinds that make it a difficult investment. Yeah. Um, so as we know, anything to do with with the weather, nature, the environment, we know that. There's been issues in the past with, with, with illnesses, with, with the fish. Um, yeah, look, I mean, something like that could crop up. And I guess also coming back to um, you know, some of the points I made earlier around supply chains and costs. I mean, they're trying to yep. increase their export of salmon overseas. We've got 
a situation where the Aussie dollar is likely to continue heading higher over the course of the year because of commodity prices. So as an exporter, that's that's a bit Not of an issue. So, yeah. yeah, look, I think, you know, they might be a great business and doing great things, but I think on balance, there are just too many risks okay. to see an uptick in the share price. Uh, Henry, it's basically an agricultural stock, isn't it? But in, in fishing uh, and, and, and lots of environmental issues being caused at the moment. Yeah, you've talked me into it, Crossy. Got to say, um, no, it's 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 not for me. I I I, I struggle with the whole uh, fish farming thing. I know there was a lot of interest in human aquaculture and and, and Twiggy. We we talked about Twiggy earlier. Yeah. Uh, was in there, but uh, for me, Tassel, yeah, it's it's there's there's too many, too. It's hard enough in agri stocks as it is because there's lots of moving parts on land in terms of commodity prices, demand, all that sort of stuff, costs shipping uh etc but for me tassel you know rising you'd have to say rising freight costs um would be a factor in it i know they've been getting better prices as the world comes out of COVID, and as we see uh, other forms of protein going higher then uh, that does give an appeal to salmon um, but i really struggle with this one it's just yeah. you know if the water changes by two or three degrees in, in tasmania it's all bets are off and the fish are floating on the surface with their eyes bulging. So that, that really doesn't do it for me. So okay. something you can't control. Yeah, no, All right. avoid. Okay, that's it. Uh, for Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for I joining will. us. Thanks, Koshy. Michael Gabel from Fairbond Equities. Um, uh, safe travels back to the office. Thanks, I'll try um, to stay dry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Half your... You know, you're going to find it tough, I think, by the look of outside at the moment. <laughs> Sydney's been hit by its rain bomb uh, here at our Brangaroo Studios. Let's summarise our final five stocks. Uh, Cadence, a hold from Henry, a no from Michael. Uh, Cyprium, a no from both. If you want a restart, um, minor, um, Henry prefers Panoramic and, and Poseidon uh, in that space. Firebrick, a speculative buy from Michael. Uh, a hold from Henry. He's got it on his watch list. Altium, a hold from both. And Tassel, a no from both. That's our show for today. If you'd like any stocks for me to put to our expert panel, put them in an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Check out all the stocks in the Calls Fantasy Portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. 